guardian angels, and patron saints, pray pray for us. Well, this weekend, July 16th and 17th, happens to be a couple of important anniversaries that we commemorate in the church. First of those, yesterday, was the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, the apparition of Mary to St. Simon Stock in the year 1251 in Aylesford, England, giving him the devotion of the brown scapular, which the Carmelites have, uh, that devotion has been promoted by the Carmelites ever since. And today, July 17th, being the annual anniversary of the martyrdom of the Carmelite Sisters of, I think it's pronounced Compagne, a French Carmelite order who were dispersed during the French Revolution and during the Reign of Terror in 1794, were all martyred at the guillotine. Peaceful, Carmelite, consecrated, cloistered sisters led one by one up the scaffold to be beheaded, singing the Te Deum as they did so. So the Carmelite order is uh, of some significance during these days. And I'd like to talk about not only the scapular devotion, but also the way of life that the Carmelites embrace and promote. Because it is is in this way of life that we encounter what St. Paul speaks of in our second reading today. This mystery hidden from ages and from generations past, now manifested to his holy ones. And by holy ones, St. Paul refers not just to those who are canonized saints, but to the baptized, to you and me. What are those mysteries, the riches of his glory? Well, this way of life that the Carmelites live, that they promote, that they point to, is a clue. How many of you are familiar with the tradition of the brown scapular, this little brown garment. Just a few of you. This used to be very common. The brown scapular was given by Our Lady of Mount Carmel to St. Simon Stock, as I said, in the year 1251. This little, if you untie this, it's, it's just basically a loop that goes over your shoulders, and this little woolen tag hangs in front and the other in back. Some of you have one of these. I know if you're an eighth grader, you went through confirmation and got one of these. This uh, is meant to be uh, an outward sign of interior devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, consecration to her. And there are certain privileges and promises attached to it. If you wear the scapular every day, if you are enrolled as a member of the confraternity of the, of, of the Order of um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and if you uh, wear the scapular and, and offer some form of Marian devotion every day, rosary, the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and even a simple prayer to Mary, that Mary promises that anyone who dies wearing this scapular will not suffer eternal fire. Anyone who dies wearing this scapular inwardly and outwardly will not be condemned to eternal fire hellfire. That's her promise. 
So you can see why this was a popular devotion. I don't know why it went away. I won't speculate, but I think it's an important thing to continue. I wear scapular under my clothing. Have I've done so since I was a young man. And many others have done so as well. St. John Paul II was the most, one of the most famous examples. There's photos of him when he was working in the quarries during the Soviet occupation of Poland. Photo of him in the quarry in his rough stone or his chemical plant kind of garments. And then he's got this big brown woolen scapular outside his clothes. And when he was shot in May of 1981, he was wearing a scapular. And as they rushed him into surgery, he told the surgeons, as of course they're cutting off your clothes to be able to have access to, the, to your chest cavity and to be able to not infect any of the incisions and so forth. He said, don't take off my scapula. Now, if that had been you or me, of course, they would have said, whatever. <laughs> right? But if you're Pope, they listen to what you're saying. So we got to keep it on. Why? Because he did not want to die without wearing it. Because he trusted in that promise of Mary. Now, maybe one of the ways, if I could speculate, one of the reasons this has been dismissed is it's a bunch of medieval superstition. A get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not what it is. Because in order to benefit from the promises of the scapular, you have to live as Mary calls us to live. John Paul II, in a letter to the Carmelite order, he said, the most genuine form of devotion to the Most Holy Virgin is the consecration to her Immaculate Heart, expressed by the humble sign of the scapular. The key is consecration to Mary's Immaculate Heart. Mary, whose yes was so complete and total that the word of God became flesh within her womb, is incapable of leading anyone to anyone but Jesus. She's incapable of directing us in any direction apart from the direction of her son. And anyone who follows and is devoted to imitating Mary and asking for her protection and intercession by placing this yoke, this mantle over them as a sign of that devotion, right, will never be led anywhere but to Jesus, to the riches of his glory. So I encourage you, get a hold of one. Wear a scapular. Put it under your clothes. Wear it outside your clothes if you want. Be enrolled in the scapula. I can do that for you. Any priest can enroll you as a member of the, the beneficiaries of the Carmelite order, which is part of the process. And wear it every day. I take, I take mine off to shower and that's it. Only because I don't like the little, the water leaking through my clothes after I get out of the shower. Otherwise, I'd wear it there too. The Carmelite order is devoted to the promotion of this way of life, which is set completely on God. They live that out. One of their mottos as part of their rule is to be 
loyal to Jesus, to live lives of allegiance to Christ. And that allegiance is expressed in the Carmelite rule in a couple of ways. They speak about the need to be pure of heart and to be steadfast, excuse me, stout in conscience. Purity of heart, stoutness of conscience. Those are the characteristics of allegiance to Christ that the Carmelites promote and live as part of our baptismal call. And in that respect, their way of life is for, for everyone. We should all seek purity of heart and stoutness of conscience, should we not? What is a pure heart? We might think of this primarily in terms of chastity. And it does include that, but it's much broader than that. A pure heart is a heart that's free from attachments and idols that hold it back from being completely entrusted to God. Pure in the sense of water, which is pure. Water that's pure is not mixed with anything else. It's just water. So to a heart that is pure isn't mixed up with creatures, earthly things, attachments, idols, lies. A pure heart is one that is completely entrusted to God. We might call it, to, to capture that sense a little better, singleness of heart. My heart is not divided in many directions. This is what Jesus speaks of in the gospel today with Martha and Mary. What is it that is praiseworthy about Mary is that her heart is undivided in its devotion to Jesus. But Martha could equally have that same singleness of heart. But instead, why Jesus reproaches her is that she's chosen to be worried and anxious about everything but. It's certainly possible in the midst of our many responsibilities to maintain a purity of heart. It's part of the Carmelite spirituality. May the Lord save me amid the pots and pans, said Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence of the resurrection, I believe. It's not that we shouldn't be engaging in forms of service. It's that they should never distract or divert us from the pure devotion that allows us to be single-hearted. How do we do that? Maintaining the presence of God, thinking and allowing him to be inspiring us, to be open to him throughout the day, beginning and ending our day with reflection and prayer, always saying his name with reverence, finding ways in the in-between times and the down times throughout our day to turn our hearts towards the Lord. This is why we have to be so attentive to addressing our attachments and calling out our idols that steal the life of God from us, that defile our hearts and cause them to become confused and divided. Pray for purity of heart. St. Teresa of Avila, one of the great Carmelites, said this in summary. 
The closer one approaches to God, the simpler one becomes. That's purity of heart. And what does it mean then to be stout in conscience? To be stout, formidable, even fierce, immovable, unable to be blown about by whatever wind of opinion or appearance happens to be blowing strongest. Stoutness of conscience is the fruit of a life of virtue, of bravery, of perseverance, determination, strength, even fierceness in the pursuit and the knowledge of truth. A willingness to pass beyond mere appearances and get to the heart of the matter and then to plant one's flag. Here I stand. We cannot have a stout conscience if we lack virtue. If I lack courage. If I lack determination. If I lack a desire to know and to rest and to pursue the truth. Then I will not have a stout conscience. I will have a weak conscience conscience. I will be easily influenced by untruth, deception, manipulation, my reputation, or how I appear to others. This is what a lack of a stout conscience leads to. We can see it very clearly in all the controversies that are heating up right now in our public conversation here in Kansas around this amendment. I can't believe, I cannot believe how so many, even of Catholics, lack the stoutness of conscience to recognize that what we're seeking is nothing other than the good and that we have to be steadfast and courageous in defending it and protecting the weakest in our midst from the predations of an industry that wants nothing more than to exploit them for profit at the expense of their lives and of their sanity. We need stout consciences to not only hold fast, but to bear witness in the midst of these deceptions, these manipulations that are being constantly published and circulated. We have to find in the stoutness of our conscience connection as well to the communal conscience of the church. The church has a conscience. Our consciences are situated and located within that social conscience of those acts and teachings of the church that are responsible for her mission, the bishops in communion with with the successor of St. Peter. That is a communal conscience that also must remain stout. And that we have to allow to inform and guide our own consciences in order for them to be free from attachments, in order to help us grow in virtue and to bear witness for the truth. The martyrs of Compain, those Carmelite sisters, who in 1794, from their hidden convent where they had been practicing their religious life, 
under threat of death for several years since the French Revolution. They were finally arrested, hauled before some official, interrogated, mocked, their faith and confidence in salvation treated as a superstition and a silly habit of mind that needs to be driven, driven out by the age of reason, which has at last delivered us from all of these childish things. You read the narration of their interrogation and their responses, and there you find a stout conscience. These sisters had privately agreed to offer themselves as martyrs for the restoration of peace in their country, torn by the French Revolution in the most terrible and horrifying ways, and to placate the, the wrath of God, who was ready to punish such faithlessness and such violence. They asked that their victimhood would be received as a, an offering, a purification of the sins of their nation, and their offering was received. As they climbed the steps of the scaffold, young, young women refused to be allowed to be touched and instead placed their own heads below the guillotine as one by one their heads rolled. The bloodthirsty mob was struck dumb by the tranquility of these women as they went to their deaths. One said, it is reported, if those women are not in heaven, no one is. How do we discover such a source of strength? We seek, above all, allegiance to Christ in prayer and in devotion to his Holy Mother, the one that he loved more than anyone. And so I encourage you, if wearing the scapular is something that you would like to do, obtain one. Purchase it. Be enrolled. I'm happy to do that for anyone that would like it. Find ways to cultivate a Marian devotion and even in some fashion formally consecrate yourself to her immaculate heart. That we, to whom God has chosen to make known the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, might experience that promise. Christ in you. The hope for glory. We entrust all these things to the intercession of those who cheer us on and by their example inspire us to great loyalty, great allegiance to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. St. Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.